0: Amen. It's true, right? What we're just saying, that God is is bigger than we think he is. David wrote in Psalm 145, Great is the Lord, he is most worthy of praise. No one can measure his greatness. And because of that greatness, because of that bigness, your doubts and your fears, got any? They don't scare him. And so right now, I would just encourage you just, right now where you sit, just to give over to him all your doubts, all your fears, all your concerns, and all your worries, because they don't scare him, and he's bigger than you thought he was. Talk about some good news. Hey, look at a few people and tell them, God is bigger than you think he is. God is bigger than you think he is. Gets bigger. <laughs> I, I, I want to start off by reading some words uh, breathed by God and written by a Jesus' follower named Peter. First Peter chapter one, beginning at verse seventeen. Peter writes, "Since you call on a Father who judges each man's work impartially, live out your time here as foreigners in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold." that you are redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from their heart. For you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. And this is a word that was preached to you. And this is a kicker. It's setting up where we're going today. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you taste it, that the Lord is good. He says, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow up in your salvation. If you're taking notes, circle, grow up in your salvation. I was going to give the opportunity to look to your neighbor and say, you need to grow up, but I decided... That could lead to some problems later on in some of our marriages and relationships, right? But it could get me a few Starbucks cards or something, maybe. Hey, let's pray. God, uh, God, you're bigger than our problems. You're bigger than we think you are. God, I pray today that we just tremble at your word. We, we celebrate being able to be in your presence, that we lean into your truths, um, that we decide right now that we will be fertile soil and we'll respond to your word with a yes. And God, I pray that you help me to speak what you want me to speak in a way that you want me to. In Jesus' name, amen. And so we're in the series, series called Becoming the Church That He Intended. Uh, We've been in the series for a long time. Uh, In fact, today is our 11th conversation. Uh, I think there's about five more uh, coming, uh, which means that we will have spent 30.769% of our Sundays in the year 2019 talking about the Grove, talking about you and I becoming the church that he intended. And here's the deal. If Jesus really is who he said he is, and if, really, and if he really does have intentions for his church, then I'm so okay with that number. Because who we are and the mission we are on is the most important thing taking place on the face of the planet. Remember, as we said last week, there are eternal destinies that are tied to Maple Grove becoming the church that Jesus intended. I mean, really think about that statement. Is it true? Uh, Understand, if if what we say we believe is true, then for many people, and I'm not sure how many, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, thousands, Whether or not they spend forever in an awesome and amazing place called heaven, or they spend their forever in a terrible, terrifying, dark place called hell, is tied to Maple Grove, is tied to you and I becoming the church that he intended. And you know, I I think God wants you and I to, to kind of feel some of the weight of that truth, that if we, that if... You, that if I do not become the people that Jesus intended, some people will spend their forever separated from God and all that is good. I'd like you to read a passage with me. We're going to take turns. And I'm going to let you guys go first since I'm such a nice person. And uh, you've heard this passage before. So go ahead and read your, your, your line together. Boom. like that verse, right? I'm giving it a 10, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, my, my turn. Uh, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Boom. I like that too. And here's the next one. Yours. Did you hear what you just read? Whoever does not believe. You know anybody that that fits? Stands condemned already. Yes, there are eternal destinies that are tied to Maple Grove becoming the church that Jesus intended. And that's why this series is so important and so essential. And that's why I'm okay with that number 30.769%. Or an even higher number if the Spirit so leads. Now so far in this series, we've seen that the church that Jesus intended is his body, it's his bride, it's his family, it's God's temple, it's his flock, it's the promised messianic kingdom, it's the called out ones, it's the hope of the world. All significant and important things. And we've seen that the church Jesus intended is made up of people who are crucified followers and not fans who are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so that's where we've been, and and that's what we're pursuing as a church to become the church that he intended. And last Sunday, we began a series of discussions about how the church Jesus intended is made up of of people who are living out their lives on mission. And, And... and when you look at the Scriptures, you know, we're going to find that our mission, both as a church and as individuals, for the most part, is in alignment with the mission Jesus had when he wore flesh and walked this planet. Like Jesus, we are to seek the lost, we are to make disciples, and we are to show compassion. But here's the deal, and I think we all know it. Living our lives on mission is not something that's just going to happen automatically. Instead, it takes intentionality. It requires a plan. And several years ago, back in 2014, we, with the help of a leadership coach, developed a plan, a good plan, a biblical plan, a plan that shows the path for pursuing a life on mission. Again, the plan was good. It was solid. It was biblical. It was legit. However, for various reasons, the execution of that plan kind of blew up and so you know i literally you know literally you know pulled that plan off the wall and began dusting that plan off understand if god created you and he did and if god is the very reason for your existence and he is and if God really does have thoughts and intentions for your life, and he does, then it makes total sense that a, a life-lived omission begins with belong, with belonging to God, belonging to the one who created you, the one who knit you in your mother's womb, the one who breathed life into you. And listen, belonging to God requires that we in faith surrender our lives to him, acknowledging him as God, as, as Lord, as as our Savior, and being born again. Jesus said in John chapter 3, I tell you the truth, he had a habit of doing that. Unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? That'd be crazy. Jesus replied, I assure you that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of the Spirit. And in Acts chapter 2, after our resident Lord went home and he gave his guys their mission, we see them unleashing the gospel and thousands responding to that gospel and being born of water and the Spirit. And the people heard this, heard Peter preach the gospel for the first time. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent to be baptized, every one of you, In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Born of water and the Spirit, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to the number that day. See, living a life of mission begins with belong. Belonging to God through the kind of surrender we see in the book of Acts. And maybe there's some in this room who, who need to do that. Some who need to do what they did on the day of Pentecost, need to repent and and be baptized. Maybe you were like I was on December 30th, 1979, you know, when I had to say, hey, what am I waiting for? Sunday night service, First Christian Church in Orlando. What am I waiting for? I believe in Jesus. I believe in his word. I need to walk up front. Well, I walked, actually waited till the church was over because uh, I didn't want to go in front of people. But, and I, and I was baptized. But listen, belonging according to scripture does not just stop with belonging to God. It also means belonging to the church, to the body. And maybe some here need to do that. You've been hanging out for a while, and it's time to maybe join up. And your connection card, you'll see, or it says, I like more information about a life group, right? You're not signing up for a life group. You just, hey, here's what it's about, here's what we're trying to do. And, and, and really, this, some, this is kind of like belong is like first base, grows like second base, serve is like third base, and engage is like home, right? And, and, and you don't want to stop on first base, right? I was watching the Orioles yesterday, they're awful. Um, and they're really awful and like two times they, they left the inning with bases loaded right leaving three runners on base you don't want to do that right you want to bring the runner home and so belong is just a beginning and now we want to talk about grow and some facts about grow grow is a good thing right um, as kids we're excited about growing right if you ask a kid how old they are right they're not going to say they're three I'm three and a half <laughs> you know, you know. You know, I'm 59. I'm not 59 and a half. I'm 59, right? <laughs> I'm a little over 58, right? Um, and, and, and as parents, we're excited to see our kids grow, right? And it, it happens kind of fast. And I, I found a time-lapse video of someone growing from, from three months to 14 in 30 seconds. Here it is. It goes fast. I like watching the bookshelf. <laughs> like, it didn't change, man. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. They planned that. That's a lot of years. But that was pretty awesome. And I like watching our kid, my kids grow up. Uh, back to school supplies their first day of school. You'll get that, right, where you take a picture and you look back. Wow, they were like so tiny three years ago. And if my kids weren't growing, I, I'd be concerned real fast, right? Because um, we, we, we like them being kids. We don't want them to stay that way. And I thought something for fun, just to drill this point home, uh, is I'm going to put out some pictures of famous people and see if you can guess who, as a kid, and if you can guess who they are. Who's, who do you think that is? Any ideas? Tom Brady. No, go, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Justin Bieber. All right. Here, here, here's the next child. See so if you can guess who that is. Yeah, you got her. Good job. Good job. This one should be easy. Michael Phelps. Okay, there's Michael Phelps. All right, this one should be good. Michael Jordan, good job, good job. How about this one here? It's a singer. Katy Perry, all right. I I, I like this one here. When you find out who it is, you're going to say, yeah, that that, that is him. (laughs) Really, it does, doesn't it? And and here's this guy right here. Who could this guy be? Let's see. Let's see. Yeah. 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 All right. And you notice that they didn't look the same, right? They look different. And when you grow up in your salvation, you're going to look different. And what does that different grown-up snapshot of you look like? I think Paul kind of described it a little bit in Galatians where he said, Uh, Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And and one more thing about grow that's a good thing is that not only do you get bigger when you grow up in your salvation, but so does God. Now, Now, God doesn't actually get bigger, but to you, he seems bigger, right? Think about 1 Samuel chapter 17, the valley of Elah, thousands of soldiers, right, along with Saul terrified of this giant, right? And then you got a shepherd boy, right, walking down with the sling. Whose God do you think was bigger? And, right, David's God was much bigger. And when you grow, your God will be bigger. And let me tell you, in this world full of trouble, a bigger God is a very good thing. Amen? Our spiritual growth is not automatic. And we know that, right? If it was, we'd all be mature. Um, Truth is, you can grow old without growing up spiritually, Rick Warren writes in his book, The Purpose Driven Church, spiritual growth does not just happen once you're saved, even if you attend church regularly. Churches are filled with people who have attended services for their entire lives, yet are still spiritual babies. And this problem of baby Christians has been around since the church has been around. Uh, the Hebrew writer says this, you have been believers so long now. How long have you been? Right. I, I'm, I'm about to hit my 40th year. That you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. Or someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. right so it, it, it's not automatic. Right, next, spiritual growth, it takes discipline. Paul writes to Timothy, spend your time and energy in training yourself for spiritual Fitness. Physical exercise has some value, but spiritual exercise is much more important for it promises its reward in both this life and the next. Uh, question, how important is physical exercise to you? And how do you know? Well, how much time and how much energy are you putting into it, right? Like, like how much time did you put on an average week into your physical exercise? Half hour, hour, five hours, more? And what does Paul say is more important? Spiritual exercise is what? Much more important, right? But it will also take what? Time, and it will take what? Energy, right? And that's the rub, right? Do you know that comes from Hamlet? I was wondering, like, where did that come from? That's the rub. It comes from Hamlet, right? That's the difficulty. That's the problem. So how much time in the average week do you put into your spiritual exercise, and why is it more important? He says because it promises a reward in both this life and the next. So In this life, it promises that you'll live the life you're created to live, a life that experiences peace beyond understanding, inexpressible and glorious joy, right? Um, a life of meaning and purpose and fulfillment. And in the life to come, right, a mind-blowing forever. Physical exercise, guess what? <laughs> There's a pretty in-shape people 400 years ago, 500 years ago, how, how, how good do you think their body looks right now, right? You know, they're just dust, right? Okay. Uh, spiritual growth is not a point in time. Uh, Paul makes that clear in Philippians. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you to do and will, works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. And notice it says work out, not work on your salvation. See, there's nothing you and I can do to add to our salvation. We are saved by grace and grace alone. Paul, in this verse, he's talking to Christians about spiritual growth, telling them, hey, you need to work out so that God can work in. You see, saying that spiritual growth is a point in time, is like saying physical fitness is a point in time. It's like saying, hey, since I was once fit and in shape, I will always be fit and in shape. And unfortunately, I stand before you as a living testimony that that is a lie. That is just not true. Man, I think after boot camp and all that, goodness, it's just not true. Andy Stanley says, we all know that physical fitness is not something we achieve once and for all. It's something we must continually pursue. It requires exercise and a healthy intake of the right diet. It's not a point in time, but a continual pursuit. Likewise, spiritual growth is meant to be con- a continual pursuit of our relationship with God and with others. Next, it only has one standard of measure, love, right? What did Jesus say the greatest commandment was, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Paul put it this way. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Forever loves others has fulfilled the law. You know, I, I think if, you know, you went up to the Apostle Paul or Apostle John and asked about their spiritual life. They, they, they probably wouldn't talk about, well, I had this many. I read the Bible. I read this chapter. Finish this Bible plan. I think they would talk about, you know what? Here's how I'm growing in my love for God. And and here here's how I'm getting better at loving other people, even the people that I don't like. Right? That's what they would talk about, right? Because that's what it is, right? It's, it's love. It's about growing in love for God and. And by the way, we're going to kick off a new series after this series called Love Is. We're going to unpack, you know, piece by piece that great definition of love found in 1 Corinthians. And finally, uh, spiritual growth has only one aim, becoming like Jesus in order to bring glory to God. Paul, Paul writes this, As the Spirit of the Lord works within us, we become more and more like him and reflect his glory even more more and more like him. And God's purpose for everyone in this room, Romans 8, 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to what? To become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Listen, that's the goal, that's the aim of grow, of living a life on mission. It's to become more and more and more and more like Jesus. I like what Max Lucchetta wrote one time. He says, God loves you just the way you are. Good news, right? Because some of us are pretty messed up, right? But he refuses, right, to leave you that way. He wants you to be just like Jesus. There's a great book of his called Just Like Jesus. Do you think living a life just like Jesus would be like a good thing? You think it'd be a life worth living? Life worth pursuing? I, I, I do. And to live that life, right, it's going to require that, that we develop certain habits, right? And I want to talk about grow the habits. Definition of a habit, a continual, often unconscious inclination to do a certain activity acquired through frequent repetition. In other words, you do something over and over again, you do it without even thinking about it. And like when I shave, I always start with the left side of my face. I don't know why, that's just what what I do, right? I don't even think about it. When I put on a pair of pants, I don't know about you, I always put my left leg in first, right? You know, if I were to put my right leg in first, I, I would be, I'd have to think about it, right? If I were to shave this side first, but a habit, you just do it over and over again until uh, you can do it without thinking about it. Uh, next, is it's an established disposition of the character. an established dis- In other words, habits establish character. And, and maybe you've heard this saying before. Sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a what? destiny. See, my destiny and yours is tied to our habits. And and what we're going to do for the next few weeks as we wrap up this series or this topic of grow is talk about some habits that if we live them out, we're going to grow. Now, these are time-tested habits that people have practiced for centuries. Today, I'll introduce three of them. And our time remaining, we'll talk about two next week. And then on August the 25th, we'll talk about the final one. These are not the only habits you can always adopt more, but if you embrace and live out these habits, you are guaranteed to grow. Because what these habits do is is they're not magic, but what they do is they put you in a place, right, where God can do his thing, right? That's all they do. They they put you in a place where God can work in you, and God can do a great work in you. And, And and. And so, and then on August 25th, we're going to have the opportunity to commit to all or some of these habits. And also on that day, I'll talk about how do you maintain and start good, healthy habits. All right? Here we go. Here's the first habit. The habit of regular church attendance. One Sunday morning, Henry Jones woke to find his wife standing over and shaking him, said, hey, get up. We need to get ready to go to church. He said, I don't want to go to church. I want to stay in bed. Just, and he asked her, give me three and he, give me three reasons why you shouldn't go to church. And he says, first, I don't get anything out of the service. I don't like the people there. And no one likes me. Then he says, now you give me three reasons why I should go. She says, well, you will get something out of the service. And some people really do like you. And three, you have to go. You're the pastor. <laughs> so get up and get dressed. And the names were changed to protect the innocent guy standing here, right? Uh, one author I came across during my study said the following. There's a disturbing trend. I'm noticing churches. A trend is a decline in percentage attendance. In other words, there are people attending. There are less people attending each church service in comparison with the number of people who called the church their home. For years, a good percentage would be around 75%. Three out Every four people would be in church on any given Sunday. Now that number is well below 50%. He goes on, a popular Christian motto is, you don't go to church, you are the church. He says, well, I get the sentiment, in some ways it can lead to an unhealthy view. Pitting being the church and going to church against each other. We truly, if we are truly the church, then we surely will get together with other believers. We cannot be the church if we do not go to church. I agree with that. And just like baby Christians, you know, people not attending church regularly, guess what was the problem in the first century? The Hebrew writer says this, let let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing. Do people ever get into the habit of, of missing church? Yeah, they do, right? Like any other habit, right? right? You miss one week for this reason, another week, it, it becomes two, becomes three, it becomes four, and it just becomes easier and easier and easier to miss church. And so why should you say, you know what, I'm going to embrace this habit of attending church regularly. Let me give you some reasons. Number one, God says so. <laughs> That's a, that could end it, right? I mean, God commands us in his word. He says, do not neglect our meeting together as some people are in the habit of doing. God says you should attend church on a regular basis. And that should really be enough, right? And understand, there are always blessings that come with obedience and there's consequences that come with disobedience. I can guarantee you probably the times you got the most out of church are the days you did not want to go to church, right? You know, you, I don't want to go, and then you show up, and boom, and God shows up and speaks to you, right? And remember, the church is, is the bride of Christ. Jesus loves the church. You should love what Jesus loves. Jesus was committed to the church. You and I should be committed to the church. Another reason is what Jesus and the church did. Luke fourteen six says Jesus went back to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and as usual he went to the meeting place on the Sabbath. You see, as usual, uh, some versions says as was his custom. Yeah, you know, Jesus just went where God's people were gathering to worship. And when you read the New Testament, you see that the early church met on the first day of the week for prayer, for fellowship, for collecting an offering, for encouragement. I think another reason is that it's it's a positive example. When you embrace the growth habit of regular church attendance, you're setting an example that other people notice. Yeah. You see, people who are trying to make their lives better, people who want positive changes are going to be impacted by the example of someone who is committed to regular church attendance. Uh, for those of you who have children, attending church regularly is so, so important, right? So that they know it's Sunday, and on Sunday, we go to church. I mean, it, it's, we just do it, right? It's not like, well, okay, let's, look at our, let's put all our options on the table. Beach, lake, cut the grass, clean the car, King's Dominion, you know, whatever. You can put it there. Uh, you know, church. Well, you know, yeah, church is pretty good because it's raining outside and all those things would be, it would be terrible, right? No, you just go, right? Because see, here's the deal, parents, you got to start when they're young right? You start when they're teenagers, right? You know, you start when they're young. They develop that habit. That's just what they do, right? Um, But if you say church is important, you say church is the most important thing, guys. But yet, in real life, so many other things on Sundays, I'm not talking when you're sick, I'm not talking if you have someone in your family sick, I'm not talking the job, I'm not talking your vacation, I'm not talking if you have a mom in a nursing home, and God says, you know what, if you have a mom in a nursing home that needs you, you, I think you better be sometimes with your mom in a nursing home, and the, and, rather than a church, right? That's not what I'm talking about, right? You know, but when our, our kids see that, right? It's a positive example I know when I became a new believer, my mom and dad didn't go to church. One thing they knew, hey, you're welcome to visit mom and dad. <laughs> and, and, and Sunday, we're going to church. And you can come or you cannot come. We'll be home about one, right? I mean, that's just, they just knew that. And they would come, right? But it's like, I'm not going to well, I'm not gonna say, well, I can't go to church because mom and dad go. No, that's an example that they can see that, hey, I love you, mom and dad, but church is even more important than you are. Another reason, some pretty cool and awesome stuff happens, Church. We get to praise God together, right? I don't know if you felt felt that, right? But we could experience the movement of the Holy Spirit together, right? He's in us, but he also moves among us, and you 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 miss that. You get to miss hearing truths that could impact your life. You, you get the you, you, you'll miss taking communion or remember Jesus sacrifice. And you'll miss the opportunity to give encouragement or to receive encouragement. I mean, life is hard. It's difficult. It beats you down, right? And, and church is an opportunity sometimes, right? And you don't know, right? You may come to church and didn't even know it. God knew it. The Holy Spirit knew it. And he leads you to that person that you just put your arm around them. And when you ask how they're doing, you can tell they're not doing so good. And you listen. And you encourage them, right? That's why it is so important. And I want to encourage you to, to embrace this habit of, of regular church attendance. Because there's very good reasons for doing it. Next, the habit of doing life together. Uh, We've talked about this a lot, right? We were created for community because we're created by a relational God. He said it's not good for you you guys to be alone. We're recreated for community. Paul says together we are his house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. And the cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself. Philippians 1.30, we are in this struggle together. Thank God we're not alone. Acts 5.42, day after day, they met in the temple courts. Large gathering, right? Everybody together, there's power net. And from what? House to house, right? In the homes. Small groups. Uh, We call them life groups here. Our life groups have a mission statement. It's only about a year old. It's about, we share life. We pursue God, and we invest in others. And that's what we're trying to accomplish in our life groups. We want to share our life together, get to know each other, have a safe place to share our stories and, and listen, right? Or people can take risks and say, hey, I'm really struggling with this right now. We're really struggling with our child. We're really having this difficulty. And where we pursue God where we go, hey, let's help each other, hold each other accountable. Hey, I didn't see you in church. Where have you been? Hey, you haven't been in life group. How are you doing? You know, have you been reading the Word and hanging out with God? Encourage each other to invest in others. Hey, who are you reaching out to? You know, who are you showing Christ's love and compassion to, right? And, and, and again, you can just put in your connections card, hey, i like to know a little bit about, about life groups and, and information, right? We're, we're going to launch some new ones. It'd be great. We don't want anyone to do life by themselves because it's hard, right? It's difficult. Um, the habit of spending time in God's word. Uh, why should you do, embrace this habit? God says so. Do your best. Present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. God, God says you're supposed to do your best, Right? Why should you spend time in God's Word? Because it will change your life. It will empower your life. It will equip you to live the life that God wants you to live. All scripture is inspired by God. and It's useful to teach you what is true. To make you realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. And teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people through every good work. Good reason, right? Another is it's going to increase your faith. Faith comes from what? Hearing the message. And the message is heard. Through the word of Christ. And Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, sanctify them by the truth. Sanctify means make them more like God. Make them more set apart. Make them more like me. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. In other words, sanctify them. Help them grow up by the word. And, 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 and this habit involves these things. Reading God's word. Read it regularly. Respectfully is God. Read it humbly. Like, God, I'm not coming here telling you what I want to find. I am I want to hear what you say and submit to it. Read expectantly, expecting God to say something to you. Um, involves studying God's word. The difference between reading and studying is when you study, you have a pencil. And one of the greatest ways to study is by asking them the right questions and, and, and uh, there's an acrostic of the, of a word, space pet. And here's a picture of a space pet to help you remember. Who knows the name of that dog? Astro, right? You know, right? And us people who are ancient, we know that. We know that. We know who Astro is. It's the Jetsons, right? And all that stuff's come true, right? Like there actually can, I remember watching our show thinking, there's no way you can ever talk to someone and see their face at the same time. That is just ridiculous. <laughs> Astro, space pet. So that's just the only purpose in that is so you can remember space pet. And so what you do is you ask these questions, right? You read a passage and you ask these questions. Who's that dog, right? Uh, The habit of spending time in God's word. Did that that not get there? Space pet didn't get there. It's in your notes. Um, Is there a sin to confess? Is there a promise to claim? Is there an attitude to change? Again, this, these are in your notes. Is there a command I need to obey? Is there an example I need to follow? Is there a prayer I need to pray or a praise I need to give? Is there an error I need to avoid? Is there a truth I need to believe or hold on to, right? And those are all, all right there in your notes. So you, you read a passage and you ask one or two of those questions, right? Reading, studying, and Memorizing. Memorizing. Uh, pay attention to what I say, turn your ear to my words, do not let them out of your sight, keep them within your hearts, for they are what? Their life. Memorizing Scripture will help you resist temptation, it will help you make wise decisions, it it will give you strength when you're under stress, it will comfort you in difficult times, it will prepare you to share your faith with other people. And, And here's how to Here's, here's how you memorize scripture, right? And this is in your notes as well. You pick a verse that speaks to you, say the reference before the verse, read the verse aloud many times, break the verse into natural phrases, emphasize key words when quoting, write it out, get someone to partner with you and check up on you. So you, so you take the verse John 3.16, we know it, right? So you go, uh, you, if, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever, that whoever, oh, I like that, that whoever, that, that means me, right, that means whoever, I'm like whoever, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life, so you, you break it down, God, for God so loved the world that he gave, right, so you, you take a verse and you break it down, you say it over and over again, and then it gets buried in your heart. And so, he, he, here's the challenge for this week: um, it is to spend time in God's Word, and, we're, and to whatever reading plan you're on. And even though there's a new faith comes from here, but even forget about that. Whatever reading plan you're on, you know, to read Ephesians this week, one chapter every day. There's six chapters so to read it, and then to answer at least you know, one of those space. Pet questions, like, wow, there's a promise there that I needed in Ephesians 1. Man, I'm going to claim that promise. I'm going to hold on to that promise. I'm going to think about that promise. And, and then the other challenge is memorize at least two verses this week, right? Uh, two verses uh, in Ephesians, you know, and, and I want to encourage you to, to do that. And, and, uh, and I guarantee it, it, won't take, remember, take, it won't take a lot of time. Like, you, you, you can knock this out, total time, an hour, Maybe. Maybe less, right? Not, not, that, not that long, right? You know, to do this. And, and I, I guarantee you, you'll come away and say, wow, that was incredible spending time in God's Word, because God's Word is, it's living and active. And, and I'm going to do something I, I probably shouldn't do, but that's all right. Um, if, if you're willing to take this challenge, to read through Ephesians this week, answer a few, to read it, to study it, space pet, and memorize a couple verses, raise your hand if you're willing to take the challenge. And look around at somebody and say, hey, hey, hold me accountable. Hold me accountable to this. And let's just see what happens, right? Now, let's see what happens when we, we go in God's Word, right? If you didn't raise your hand, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Or, you know, I, I just wanted you to stick your hand up there. Uh, two, two super, super quick things. Um, here's a website you can go to. If, if you go to Ozark Christian College... It's in your notes, OCC.edu slash next level dash, next dash level. This is um, Michael DeFazio. The dude spoke at uh, Move. Awesome speaker, man. Like, like, I could listen to this guy like all day. He has like seven videos. They're like 12 to 13 minutes each. He's, he teaches New Testament and, and, and biblical hermeneutics at Ozark Christian College. You can just log on there, right? The first one is like, I listened to it. It's really good. It's like 12 minutes. He has a little handout, right? That'll help you in studying the Bible, right? And and, and I'd recommend that highly. And and we did a series, I think it was last summer, uh, Understanding the Bible, which you can also find on our website. And we went through like 12 weeks looking at Biblical Principles for Understanding the Bible. But if I were you, I, I'd go to DeFazio, right? Because it's, it, it's quicker, it's short, it's powerful. He just knocks it out of the park. And like it, it only takes like 12 minutes to watch one of these videos. And each one will help you be able to read the Bible and understand it better. Like newborn babies, let's crave pure spiritual milk so we may grow up in our salvation. So what? I mean, that's what we should ask every time. So what? What's the takeaway? Well, we all have a decision, right? Every week there's a decision as we respond to God's word. And maybe you need to make a decision to surrender to Christ. You have not done that yet, you know, and you need to talk to me about it. Maybe the day today you say, I'm going to get baptized. There's no reason to wait any longer. I'm going to make that happen. Maybe you need to make a decision right now. You know what? I'm going to, hopefully we all make it, right? I'm going to embrace these spiritual disciplines because I want to grow. You know, I I want my God to get bigger and 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 and watch all the giants get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And we also have a decision each week, a decision to celebrate, right? As we remember, the fact that God did love us so much that he sent Jesus to die for us. And every week at Maple Grove, we take communion. And and we do this in remembrance of Jesus, who he is, what he did, how much he loves us. And that cracker is small, but it represents his broken body. I mean, Jesus loved me so much that he allowed his body to be broken for me. And the cup represents his shed blood. He loves me so much and could not imagine eternity without me. And he gave his life, and that blood poured out on that sand because he wanted to be with me. Every week, I've I've been to celebrate, to celebrate the immense love that God has for us. You know, our communion is off to the sides. You know, um, as the praise team comes up, you know, just know that we have two cups, right? Bottom cup, you'll find the cracker, um, and the top cup is where the juice is. But this is a time for you to remember and celebrate Jesus and his love for you. Uh, Would you stand and pray with me? Lord Jesus, Father, Lord, I I pray for each and every one in this room. God, I know you want everyone in here, myself included, to grow up in our salvation. There is more to our salvation than we've yet to experience or could even imagine. And God, I, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just move right now. And I pray that as we, as we worship you, as we, we sing about you, that we realize that, that, that you indeed are our living hope and that there's no one like you. And God, I just pray that yeah, those of us who raised our hands and those who even didn't, that we'll just take this challenge together as a body, as a church, to read this incredible letter that you breathed through the, through the pen of Paul 2,000 years ago. And that we learn some new things about it. And that we memorize some verses that the Holy Spirit will lead us to that will help us. I pray the enemy does not keep us from your word this week. In Jesus' name, amen.